Welcome. You are listening to The Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm your host, Meryl Arnett, and my passion is making meditation accessible and enjoyable. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a guided meditation. If you would like to access these meditation practices as standalone audio files for your daily practice, please subscribe to my newsletter at merylarnett.com. It's free and you'll receive a new mini meditation each week, along with behind the scenes content and bonus material for each podcast episode. All right, let's grab a cup of tea, a comfy seat, and settle in for today's practice. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Mindful Minute. So for the last couple of years, Chanti Takarante Perez has been teaching me how to explore and relate to my dreams. And today, I get to bring this conversation to you as Chanti and I talk about our dreams, the dark, and the symbolism buried within as a way to sort of wrap up our Endarkenment series. If you've been listening, you know, we have been exploring the dark side of meditation the last couple of weeks. And I thought it would be really fun to bring you a conversation about dreams and the dreaming self as a way to wrap that series up. So Chanti is a Cuban-American creatrix, ritualist, and author. She believes that images speak a profound language, and her life's work is as a translator of the unseen and advocate for the imaginal. She holds a master's in engaged humanities, a master's in depth psychology, and she's currently working on her doctoral dissertation in Jungian depth psychology and archetypal studies at Pacifica Graduate Institute. Her passion is to inspire you and me to rediscover our creative selves by weaving the blessings with the wounds while honoring the land and the ancestors. In today's episode, Chanti and I talk about the difference between signs and symbols. We talk about what it means to journal your dreams, what to do if you don't remember your dreams, how to work with your dreams, and why you should throw your dream interpretation books out the window. You don't need them. This conversation is in no way comprehensive. We just couldn't get it all in a short interview format like this but I hope it's enough to spark that sense of curiosity, that willingness to start exploring what happens in your dreams. And if you like it, if you fall in love with it as I did, maybe you'll sign up for one of Chanti's amazing weekend dream retreats. If you do, you'll likely see me. We can talk about our dreams together. Now, I just want to preface that, you know, you can't talk about dreams without things feeling really dreamlike. So naturally, our internet was all sorts of wonky. Forgive any choppiness in the video, especially as we kind of cut out where we hung in the liminal space for a while, which was totally appropriate. Last thing I want to say before we dive into the interview is Chanti recorded a special practice for us 
to use right before we go to sleep at night. Now, this practice, I want you to be able to download and save it so that you don't have to listen to the whole interview every time you want to use the practice. To get it, simply subscribe to my newsletter. It's in The link is in the show notes, and you'll get a copy of Chanti's practice as well as her dream journal guide that you can download and keep and use as long as you like. All right, friends, let's dive into today's conversation. Hi, Chanti. Welcome to the Mindful Minute. Hi. Thanks for having me here. I love that you have rainbows on your sweater and your face. <laughs> you got like a crystal somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's right here in the window and and I'm out of it being on my actual like face face, but maybe it's still there. I love it. So as we were just talking about, listeners will have just finished a three-part series on being in the dark. And I thought it would be a really fun way to wrap up this exploration, to bring in a conversation about dreams. And as as listeners will have just heard, Chanti is the teacher that really introduced dream work to me as a very intentional practice. And I'm like letting this be a completely casual conversation, Chanti. I haven't written anything down or prepared anything at all whatsoever, but maybe let's start with like, how did you get into dreams? Where did this start for you? Well, I was very lucky to live with a family that it was a normal thing. We talked about dreams. We still talk about dreams. It was just something that, you know, we did. And, and as I was thinking about our conversation today, I was like, oh, what was, what, what, were some of those like first dreams that I remember. And some of them I I really do. I remember two specific ones. Um, One when I was a very small child, maybe, I don't know. I don't know the exact age, but like five or six. And my parents had gone on vacation on a cruise and I was staying in my great grandmother's house. And I had a dream that the cruise ship got stuck on in the middle of the ocean because there was no water in the middle of the ocean. And so at that age, I wet the bed (laughs) and I woke up and I just remember having that dream, like, Oh, I saved the ship from like Mm -hmm. being able to move because I wet the bed. So, um, in that, in that space of like, literalness of like what happens in the dream space or metaphorical more dreamlike that you know we can't really make this stuff up you know you have a dream and as a child you solve something by doing something physically and so I guess the beginning was really just honoring dreams and it wasn't like a shameful thing it wasn't like oh that's you know make believe or oh don't believe your dreams and the other dream that I was thinking about was a very kind of lucid dream. And it a little bit scared me, but also really intrigued me. And I re- it must have been the first time I ever wrote a dream down. Like, I must have been in middle school mm. sometime. And I had like a little diary. And I remember making a picture of like a body above my body. And 
waking up to like this big something over me, but I was just screaming like, and nothing would come out of my mouth. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> mm. so I guess this kind of fascination and those thinking about it now, those are two kind of more scarier dreams. Um, maybe that's why they made an impression and I can still remember them. And I guess, you know, to answer your question of when this all started, maybe it was then. And then, you know, I think I recorded my dreams a lot. I think throughout like middle school, high school, I remember recording my dreams. And then maybe at some point I stopped doing that or I would share them uh, a lot. I would just share them with friends, family, my partner. And later on in my life, um, the dreams became a primary source for me, a place where I, I could relate to and where the relationship felt more intimate versus, you know, a story that you tell or um, something that you write down and then kind of, you know, forget about. So, yeah, I just created, I guess, the relationship just blossomed into more of a constant exploring talking like a, like a regular relationship that we would have you know mm. like you meet with somebody and you're kind of hanging out and then you meet them again and again and then all of a sudden you're like bffs so that's what happens i love that you know it's so interesting i was reflecting from the last dream workshop that i did with you a couple of weeks ago i was reflecting the very first dream i remember when i was young um, was a reoccurring nightmare that I had over and over again. And I remember telling, like I was struggling with it because it would wake me up. I would be so scared. And I was talking with my parents about it. And I remember my dad saying, well, that when you go to sleep, remind yourself that if you have this dream, you could just turn around and look at the guy chasing you. There's like a faceless person chasing me. And my dad said, just remind yourself before you go to bed, you could turn around and like see who it is. And it might not be so scary anymore. And then I did that. Like the next time I had the dream, I turned around and it was it, the, now that figure had a face and it was somebody I knew and it was no longer scary. And I never had the dream again. And then sort of throughout my life, I've had these really like either scary and or just like visually intense reoccurring dreams and something interesting would happen. I'd be like, oh, that's so interesting. And then I'd forget it and go on with my life. But now that I'm doing this intentional work with you, and I look back, I'm like, those, I've had so many amazing messages come through my dreams that even today, like I just made a list in that workshop. I actually made a list of like one sentence. This was the, like, remember you can turn around and look, right? Like who doesn't need that in their life? <laughs> oh my God. Meryl Papa. Gosh. I know. That is, that's amazing that you're your dad said that to you. And I just want to remind you, oh, that's, that's really a dream incubation. That's what that is. Like you make, you, you, you incubate, you have some kind of concept idea. And so when you are in the dream, you can do certain, you can do certain things like turn around and as dreams have it, like that dream that you were just sharing. And especially this, like 
theme of like nightmares or things that are really like scary or dark or in the shadows or that we don't necessarily want to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about like a scary, awkward dream. <laughs> but I, I maybe it is as we're kids that those things really make an imprint on us because as you were talking, I was remembering of a figure that I had in my dream. And then I saw it on like, the TV the next day. And it was like some scary villain from like a telenovela. Like my grandmother's watching some, I don't know how to say that in uh, soap opera. <laughs> and there's this like, you know, figure with a hat and like something blowing like a cape or something. And I had never seen that before. So it's just very interesting what like our like child body brain psyches souls kind of like absorb and then remember <laughs> later on it's very dreamlike it is it really is so let's take the conversation let's like start from a place of assuming that we maybe haven't worked with dreams intentionally before and we are feeling like we're in some place of darkness right meaning like stuck or there's not a clear path forward or, right. I'm just like in that, um, sort of stagnant place perhaps, or lost place. And I'm now I'm listening to this conversation. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. What am I, what am I going to use my dreams for? How am I going to relate to my dreams? So what, how might we interact with our dreams? Like, do you want to talk about incubation? or what what do you want it where do you want to take it well, well first I just want to say that and I say this over and over again because in our culture sometimes it always feels like we have to do something or take something or use it and dreaming is enough you know spending time in that space that's liminal that things that don't necessarily happen in our waking consciousness happen when we move into some different consciousness, whether that's dreaming at nighttime or leaning back and like looking up at the night sky and having like a open eyed, you know, dream. So I just want to start there because sometimes we have this, you know, dreams are archetypal and that means that um, dreaming and, and dreams a long, long time ago, people have had dreams because we've seen, we've talked about them, stories have been shared. Now people are having dreams. And I'm just going to add that it's just not people because I feel like my dog dreams. He like whis whimpers like, whoop, and he moves his paws. So maybe there are other uh, organisms out there that dream. And then in the future, there are going to be people and organisms um, that dream. So that makes it something that is kind of universal or communal or whether or not we remember that's different and so to dream is enough and even you know to say oh I would really I'm so curious if I just kind of turn to my nighttime and just become curious about what happens there and similar to what your dad said <laughs> just say I'm just so curious about my dreams um, I wonder what's what's going to happen tonight, um, because anything that we kind of turn our attention to responds, right? Oftentimes, we turn our attention to, you know, 
our animals, they respond. <laughs> if we turn our attention to our kids, they respond. They might not be in the way that we want, but there might <laughs> be a response. And so the same thing will happen with the dream. So I would say at any time, whether this is before you go to sleep or there are a lot of folks who have who don't necessarily remember their nighttime dreams and they find it dreaming and the place of dreams like a barrier. And we have dream-like experiences all the time. I'm gonna say, I have dream-like experiences all the time. You've had dream-like experiences all the time. We can call that synchronicity. We can call that rare, weird things. We can call them like omens or magic. So if we just turn our attention to that and kind of just like give it a nod, you know, during the daytime, like, hey, oh, I see you, you know, then that will translate later in the nighttime. And so that's the simplest thing is just to really say, I'm so curious, curious about this, this dream space, whether that's waking you know, sleeping or in some other kind of in-between place. So I would say that might be a good kind of starting point for anyone to really, who, who's interested in this. I love that. And can we talk really quick about the difference between a symbol and a sign? That was really significant for me personally and my own relationship with dreams, I feel like. Yeah, so then let's say you're you're having dreams you're remembering all kinds of dreams you know like maybe another step would be like oh what are these what are these things what whether they're objects or colors or memories you know working with those different i'm going to call them symbols because the difference between a symbol and a sign and in like colloquial when we talk we usually kind of mix that up so this is coming from like a Jungian depth psychological perspective the definition I'll just say so a symbol doesn't tell you anything it just points so anything can be kind of um it's like an opening it's like a portal it's like a doorway a symbol doesn't say stop a symbol doesn't say I'm made of this a symbol doesn't say um, really doesn't say anything. It just points. You're being guided in a sense. Whereas a sign, it is like something that tells. So you can think of like a stop sign. This tells you to stop. And if you don't stop, there are consequences usually. Um, or you can think of like, again, a simple sign in the window that says open. You know, usually when you move that door, if the you know, storekeeper has remembered, the door will open. Whereas a symbol is just going to point you in that direction. And it's not going to be so literal, I will say. Symbols are not literal. They're packed with all kinds of possibilities. And so, you know, those, there's like books on what dreams mean. And you know that those are, they're great. They're, they're nice, but they, they are signs. They tell you what something means. And that's not necessarily going to fit everybody's experience, nor should it, to be honest. It shouldn't. It's a good place to go like second, third, or fourth. I don't go there anymore often. 
But it, it sometimes you'll have a dream and you're like, whoa, what was that? Does that word even exist? And you might, you know, look it up really fast. And that happened to me this morning. And I was like, oh, should I look it up? I was like, no, I'm going to do work with it later. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, we get, we, we're in a culture that just wants to know mm-hmm. not to uh, spend time with or relate. We just want this like quick taste, you know, it's like, I'm just going to pop this taste in my mouth. And then, you know, it kind of falls for me, it falls flat and short. So that's the, the, the two, the differences between those two. And I feel like when you look something up, like I notice even with Oracle cards, when I look it up, I don't remember it. Like the next time I pull the card, I don't remember the meaning. Whereas if I really spend time with it. So here's my next question. You just said like, oh, no, I'm going to work with this later. What does that mean? What are you going to do later? Yeah. So what would I do with that later? So in the stream, there was um, a, there was some kind of music experience happening. So, and there was kind of two layers and I was walking down and there was a person with a big basket and it looked like a rectangle basket. And inside the big basket, they looked like sticks with something on each end. And I was like, what is that? And the person in the dream said, Ora, O-R-A, I believe. I didn't bring my dream journal over here. And so I was like, does that even exist? Like, is there such an instrument? And then the dream went on and it got even more intimate. There was like all, all these different instruments started coming in. And, you know, I was now handing out these sticks <laughs> to people. And there was this man, a little man on a, two men or people on a rocking chair, rocking And this was all then happening in front of my grandmother's closet, my great grandmother's closet, which is a very, very sacred space. It was like the first place I ever learned to do ritual and the first altar I ever saw in my life. It was in the closet. And then there's this whole like, what's in the closet? And there was um, there was a horseshoe in the closet. There were all these like very interesting things in there. And so what I would do later today or tonight, um, specifically for that tool or instrument, one, one thing I may do is, you know, I would draw out the image. Then I would imagine these, um, these sticks or these wands or these instruments, like in my hands and imagine what I would do with them because I didn't actually hear it being played. So I might kind of try that in my imagination. And I actually, most likely for this dream specifically, it felt like a very embodied um, instrument. So I would maybe get up and like move with it. And as I'm doing this, um, I'm not trying to like suck out information, like, you know, or, or do anything in that really, I'm just kind of like, I'm so curious about you. What, what is it that if anything at all, is this instrument about? 
Um, and then there is a, a practice that I learned in um, Jungian depth psychology that's called active imagination. This is like an embodied form of that where you basically have a conversation with whatever part of the dream, with an object, and it seems kind of like, whoa, super bizarre, but it's so helpful, almost like, you know, like if you ever talk to your dogs, I talk to my dog all the time and it talks back, you know, <laughs> and my partner and I have conversations about what the dog has said. Now, if that hasn't happened in your household, that's fine. But it, or like if you have kids and they're playing with a toy and the toy talks back, does, I mean, you have kids, like yeah. the toy talks. <laughs> yes. We, we almost have to like move out of the framework of like logic and discernment and like all these like linear things to be able to kind of play again, approach the dream as a dream, because in your dreams, all kinds of strange, bizarre things happen. And then at some point, you know, depending on um, I don't work with all of my dreams or I don't relate with all of my dreams, but sometimes some of them are like, you know, if it has anything to do with my great grandmother, I'm like, I'm there, <laughs> you know, if, uh, there's just some, certain like pointers in the dream that say I'm important to me. And that, you know, that may be uh, a feeling, a sensation, it may be a specific date for, you know, someone. And then I might kind of, journal again like what happened like what happened when I stand with the 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 stick or the wand and towards kind of when I was coming out of that dream um there was a whole bunch of like trumpets so it sounded like a very like a like a big band and in Cuba we have like instruments from like a lot of different cultures coming together and there's a very specific song that talks about like where our people are from all different uh, flavors. We have all different kinds of instruments and all different kinds of movements in our body. And so the dance happens or the Cuban people happen because there's so much variety. Like that's what it means to be Cuban. And so now I'm just kind of talking out loud and thinking this dream <laughs> has to maybe do with some kind of like meshing um, identity or work around that because that's a big wounding for me and so and it's a work currently that I'm working a lot in. and sometimes the dreams just have like uh for me have a a, a certain kind of reorienting and so like when I was um and I, I'm just talking about this because it's pulling me in that direction when I was I'm still in grad school at the very beginning of when you're doing a doctoral dissertation, they want you to come up with this like mind blown question that you're going to spend a whole bunch of time on. And they want you to like make it up and think about it. And I'm like, that goes against everything we've studied. <laughs> I don't understand why I have to just come up with this. Isn't there some kind of like technique or process that uses the unconscious if that's what we're and so it was just like, oh, it'll just happen. Just just go with the flow type deal. And I was like, no, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and so I incubated, you, you, you know, incubated a dream. And basically what that means, it's like, 
you put something, I, this is how I think about it. You put something in an egg or in a shape and you ask, and the, the, I was at, I was like, what's the question of my dissertation? Like, what is this question? And then it took forever to hatch really. Like it, there were all these different symbols that came up and that led me in certain directions. And that's how I formulated that question. And so I'm guessing that this might have to do with a little bit of that <laughs> because it's coming up and we're talking about it. And on our little break, I went and I grabbed the dream journal just to have it here in front of me. Oh, I love that. Talking about it. Yeah. So that's how I would begin to relate to a dream or work with a dream or um, see if there's anything there. You know, um, actually, I don't know that you know this. I'm a double Aquarius. I don't know if you knew that. That's my sun and my rising. I'm a double Aquarius. I am the most logical person you will ever meet in your entire life. Everything about what you just said goes against my inherent nature. I'm like, and even in that last retreat we just did, and you were like, now we're going to move like the symbol in our dream. I'm like, <laughs> A, I feel ridiculous. And B, I don't believe you that something is going to happen. For me, moving like, I wish I could remember what was in my dream, but it was not even a human. It wasn't like I was moving like a person. I was moving like an inanimate object. And I'm here to say that was the most profound part of, as it always is, right? It's like, so, I, so I'm voicing that out loud for any of the listeners who are like, I'm not going to do that. I also am somebody who would say, I'm not going to do that. And yet I have found so much richness and like total joy in all honesty, just from like playing with my dreams and it's been the challenge for me has been the like, you're not doing anything. You're not going to get this answer. Like you just said, right? You, you're like, oh, I'm going to incubate this question. Well, I would like the answer in one dream. And it's not how it works. And it's so joyful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, and, you know, if we're talking about the darkness, some of that is going to, include ridiculousness and some of that is going to include what is uncomfortable and what we're not used to so for me what was uncomfortable has been the many many years I have been spending in academia <laughs> in this un seemingly unlogical place but very structured and very logical and sometimes that's very helpful to have I'm very grateful for the logic and the the linearness of it and you know if you look in to the other direction there might be something there for us especially when it seems I mean it, if you need the logic because sometimes it's helpful to start with where you're at you know double Aquarius you can start with oh approach the dream as a dream there's the logic you know and the logic is actually asking you to move into the most silly, ridiculous, childlike, but very vulnerable. I mean, when we, it's like a little death, you know? We don't know if we're really gonna wake up. There are so many prayers that ask, like, bring me back. 
And, and there's so many lullabies that actually are very scary. <laughs> like the lullabies have this like weird eeriness to them. And, and those, that vulnerable space is so rich and our, for those who are living in a Western paradigm and kind of maybe going against it or wanting to go against it, this is really great way to do it in the comfort of your own space. And nobody knows that you, nobody needs to know that you're doing this. You don't need to like talk about it. I mean, it's, it's super helpful to talk about it with like somebody mm -hmm. after, you know, if you wake up and you just kind of like move as your dream to the bathroom, it's just a little ways for most of us, <laughs> depending where your bathroom may be, <laughs> but it's just a little time in a little space. And, you know, I was in a, I was in a class the other day and the class is a is a it's a ceramics class. Mm. And the the theme of the class was like hybridity, like hybrid, you know, pottery. And somebody asked the teacher, like, why are we doing this this way? And the answer is always, well, why not? You know, like there doesn't always have to be this taking or gaining or making this like deep meaning it could be the dream might tell you like what you want to cook for your family you know it might it might it might give you a recipe I've had dreams that like give me a recipe and I'm like oh <laughs> I'll try that I love that I love that um so what about if we don't remember our dreams. Yeah, that happens a lot. It's like, do you remember what you had for dinner yesterday? I don't actually. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so we think about like the dream space as like, oh no, how horrible if we don't remember our dream or what happens if we don't remember the dream. And that's okay. It's part of the dream. It's part, it's, I want to say there are, there are great things about forgetting. And sometimes there are things that we want to remember. If you're forgetting the dreams and you're wanting, or there's a desire to begin to relate to the dreams and see what kind of relationship can come over time. The one thing I would say is to just in the morning time, you wake up and you might just be still, but not rigid, right? Um, sometimes rigidity, like I really want to remember my dreams. Why aren't you coming? That rigidity just totally like we may, it's like a forgetfulness drug almost rigidity, I'm going to say. And so you can be still and really relaxed. You can just linger in the bed and just see if anything comes. Um, it's helpful if you at least once a week or when you're wanting to um, relate to the dreams that you don't wake up in that rigid alarm way. And sometimes you sometimes they'll come anyway. But if you're not remembering your dreams, I would say, um, and you want to, I would say start during the daytime. Just start to remember, period. Remember 
what you had for dinner yesterday. Remember your dream-like moments. And then start start a conversation with those waking dream-like moments by maybe writing them down. Writing, whether it's writing or some people really like this like voice recording. I would never listen to that. So I don't do that. I like writing and doodling. And I would just respond with language that you naturally communicate in. And so writing is a way that a lot of us communicate. And so writing your dreams down, writing your dreamlike experiences during the day down can be a really good starting point. Before going to bed, maybe asking, um, making a little like a love note to your dreaming self and saying, I really want to remember something whether that's a color, a texture, like it just sometimes it's just like this, like leading experience and you honor it. Or I, I would say I honor it by writing it down saying, oh, I'm, I'm recalling you. I'm remembering you. You might have a different way of honoring that. You might just, this is the, the best way for kind of like novice dream journalers and dream researchers that you just write one word down on a little piece of paper and you like put it underneath your pillow or you know put it on your bedside or wherever it wants to go and you just honor it in some way yeah that's 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 what I would say you think of it as you know when you meet somebody new and you want to get to the, know them you're going to text them back you know what I mean <laughs> You're not going to ghost them. You're not going to not write anything down. Maybe if you think about them, you're like, should I text them? I really want, I'm thinking about them. Text them. So if you're thinking about a dream or a dream figure comes up in the middle of the day, just like write it on your hand or make write it on a little like napkin or something and then like carry it with you. Uh, yeah, so text back the dreams. They, in my opinion, you know, again, when you relate to something, it responds most of the time, maybe not as quickly as you would want it, but there, you know, some dreams and some dream figures might take a little longer. I remember there's one dream that I really, really wanted to work with. And this dream figure did not speak. Mm. It didn't speak until it had like a collective of voices. It was very interesting. And then it then it spoke through this like collective, through another dream, actually. It was another co collection of dreams. Yeah, so that's that's a one way we can start. And I can also give you a link to the dream journaling, creative dream journaling. Mm. And then whoever wants to kind of go in there and learn so many different ways to journal, maybe... Sometimes we don't remember something, but we know like we have like a feeling or a taste and that's enough. You know, we just kind of scribble that down and um, and feel like it's an honoring when we do that. So I will put that link in the show notes for listeners so you guys can download it. Thank you. That's an awesome journal. And I'll add that, um, which I've shared with you, Chanti, multiple times is, you know, I've noticed on the mornings when I'm woken up by my kids and it's very sudden, it's so much harder for me to remember my dreams than when I'm able to wake up at my own time and take my time getting out of bed and remember to remember essentially. But one of the things that I do 
is rather than keep my dream journal by my bed, I keep it next to the couch where I sit and drink my coffee in the morning. So we like stumble downstairs, the kids get their juice and get a show going. I get my cup of coffee and I sit with a journal and a pen in my hand and I just wait to see if anything will reemerge. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But I found that that ended up being a more consistent practice for me than thinking tomorrow I'll linger in bed long enough to, and I just wasn't doing, I wasn't able to. Um, and so, I, you know, I think giving yourself that permission, like you said, to like, if you remember in the middle of the day, do it in the middle of the day. Yes. It's so, it's just so helpful. I mean, yeah, I feel like my dream journal sometimes, it, I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm like, in the bathroom <laughs> yeah morning you know like on the ground like writing it down because I do like to kind of be on my side or like you know mm. it just feels like so I'm like in the bathroom on the ground like writing in the dark sometimes sometimes with like I have like a little light um but yeah wherever wherever the dream catches you then you respond to it mm. because they are autonomous I, I like to think of them as autonomous, like they're not ours all the time. And sometimes they come and go and there might, they might be collective or like, who are we to say exactly what a dream is, you know? Yeah. Is there anything I didn't ask that you really want to talk about today? <laughs> oh my gosh. Is there anything that you didn't ask? I maybe maybe because you know you're talking about like darkness and the I'm going to call it the necessity of spending time in there mm -hmm. relating to dreams and maybe maybe darkness is also kind of a a space of liminality because we don't really know what's in the darkness and so thinking about dreams and dreams that happen in the dark, um, even though they're in the daytime, I just want to say that it kind of feels very like a paradox, but anything that moves you in that direction, in the direction of, of, of the dream, of the, of the darkness, of things that can't be a hundred percent known or like we've talked about earlier, like things that are symbolic, however you translate that and relate to that, I feel like that's a good beginning point for anyone. Because it is, we don't usually talk about the darkness and we don't usually talk about like, you know, opening your eyes in the dark and waiting to see or to experience what's there. And dreaming is like that, like opening your eyes in the complete darkness and having, you know, uh, a different state of consciousness emerge. Yeah. Thank you so much. This conversation has been incredible. Listeners, Chanti does amazing dream workshops and retreats virtually. And you can find all of that information where Chanti is your website. Yantra wisdom, Y-A-N-T-R-A wisdom.com.
And you'll probably see me in there if you sign up. (laughs) Shanti, thank you for chatting today. This was a lot of fun. It was. And my puppy is now asleep next to me. Oh, perfect. Thanks for listening to the Mindful Minute. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving me a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps others to find the show. And let's face it, we could definitely use more meditators in this world. The Mindful Minute is recorded on Muskogee land and produced with the support of Madeline Day Production Management and Brianna Nielsen Virtual Assistance. To join my live classes, ask questions, or learn more about my teacher trainings, please visit merylarnett.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you guys next week.